Podglomerate original. Uh, <laughs> all right, here we go. Let's start. Welcome to the History of Stand-Up, the show where comedian and professor Wayne Fetterman teaches us all a little bit more about the history of stand-up. And I'm your fellow student, Andrew Steven. Earlier in the season, we talked with Jimmy Pardo about podcasts' influence on the stand-up scene. And today we wanted to give you an unabridged look at the full conversation we had. Whether you're a fan of stand-up, a fan of Jimmy Pardo's, or a fan of podcasting, this is a great look into the origin of how a lot of comedians started doing podcasts. Plus, we hear a little bit about the role that a specialthing.com had in the alt-comedy scene of the 2000s. So, we hope you enjoy this bonus episode, and we'll get back to work on season two. Thanks. All right, so we want to go right from the start with you. Right? When was the first time you heard the word podcast? Are you asking me right now? Yeah. On the air. Yeah. Uh, well, I knew of Ricky Gervais. You did? You're listening to Ricky Gervais with me, Stephen Merchant, and Carl Pilkington. Uh, from how? Well, he had, uh, the, well, uh, from the office, the British yeah. office. Now, you uh, probably know me from such works as The Office and Extras. And then he had a podcast and, and uh, it was him Would and you know what year this is? This sure. 2005? 6? 2005 or 6. Okay. Yeah. And uh, you're thinking, well, why are we doing a podcast? Why are we doing a podcast for for, for no money? Is there um, no money? No. It's free, isn't it? It's free download. But so, yeah, and then I, so I listened to that and I thought it was That was, was the first podcast oh, you had heard of. absolutely. And then... Uh, they uh, then the second one was yes. uh, an Abbott and Costello, where they repackaged their r r radio show into podcast form, and you know I blew through those like those were the first two that I listened to. The Abbott and Costello program brought to you by Camel, the cigarette that's first in the service according to actual sales records. Look, what I want to know is when you sign up the first baseman. How does he sign his name to the Who? contract? The guy. Who? How does he sign his that's name? That's how he signs it. Who? Yes. Were you listening to these on an iPod or were you just from your computer? iPod. Or? Yeah, I would listen on my iPod. So you had an iPod. Standard, standard procedure. So you went through your iTunes through your computer. Yeah. You had a, some sort of Macintosh device. I, I had an. I, I did have a Macintosh device. That's exactly right. I would, uh, of course, download them. I was like, well, what other comedy is in there? And that's why I found the Abbott Costello. Oh, that'll be neat. Was there like a... A page you went to? Yeah, there was a, a, a comedy page. You know, the, you know, the top 100 comedy podcasts where right. the two that appealed to me were Ricky Gervais and Abbott and Costello. Like, the other ones were like, I don't know who these people are. Even though Jason Nash had one at the time, I think. Right. But none um, of your peers did. As far as I know, none of my peers did. No. They did not. And then... There was a show in New York called Something and the Girl. Keith and the Girl. Yeah. But I, don't, I, don't, I did not know them. I, I know did. them very well now. Now you do. But I did not know them then. All right. Um, so, so what happened in your head? So well, you I, enjoy, listened, I enjoyed, enjoyed listening to it because... Uh, Mainly because you're a Lou Costello fan. You know I love him. <laughs> you know, I don't dislike Abbott Costello, but I, I kind of dug the idea of listening to that, to listen to comedy again. You know, having grown up listening to talk radio and loving talk radio, I found that I was never in the car here when, I was never in the car like for morning drive when the funny guys are on here right. in L Los Angeles. Uh, 
so that kind of replaced that for me. Let's talk a little about you and your relationship to radio. Oh, like, huge fan. Huge. Tell oh, me why. Yeah. Tell oh, me why. Oh, well, I grew up listening to a guy's named Steve Dahl and Gary Meyer. Mm -hmm. They were my heroes. Uh, uh, boy, I'm throwing that word around hero a lot. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, they were my heroes uh, growing up. Steve Dahl, and the two of them together, there was a magic. They were, they were the more, they were Howard, and even Howard Stern says this. They were Howard Stern before Howard Stern. Real. Uh, Gary, a couple of uh, memos uh, just made their way down here. Mm -hmm. uh, from the programming department to all air personalities. That's from us. Rick Lippincott in the programming department. Subject jingles. Gary, a reminder that when you're filling in for another personality, you should play their name jingle as opposed to yours. <laughs> Pretty important. <laughs> uh, let's play ours, because we're here. Where's my, or mine, anyway. Wait, how about a touch tone? We got a touch tone handy, just for, just for uh, fun? This is brilliant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Would you say at your peak when you're doing your podcast that you were at that level they were comedically? Wow, that's uh, you're putting me on the spot Sorry with that, that question. Sorry. You can you can uh, punt. You can punt. I'd like to think what I'm doing right now with Never Not Funny is uh -huh. that I'm at the top of my game. So I would say that uh, yes. That's How about that? I'll say yes. I'll be that cocky. No, no, no. I didn't mean um, I, it wasn't so much. I mean, it just meant you just trying to achieve this goal. I think I these I, heroes. I think I did. You can't. And quite. I've since become friends with Steve Dahl and you have. to a lesser extent Gary. He still. He, uh, yeah, they're still doing it. Yeah, well, uh, not as a team. They broke up years ago, and they they have. That's a Martin Lewis. They don't. Steve tries. Gary has no interest being in the same room with each other. Wow. Um, also, Evan Costello had trouble. Listen, Very I'm, few of those comedy teams ever last long. Well, yeah, I know you, you and Jordan Brady. I know you guys don't even uh, <laughs> talk to this day because of it. Um, <laughs> he literally, this morning, I yeah. think, liked a tweet about this podcast. Wait a minute. Yeah, we're oh, still close. So we're do you think close. that maybe uh, he's thawing a little bit? Yeah. His room <laughs> thing. I, I, a tear came down my eyes. Like, oh, you is had this it. it. Is this the start? <laughs> you know? Because we're only here a short time on this planet. I know we are. <laughs> we're only here. I get it, Wade. You don't have to tell me. Right. I've had falling outs myself. Yes. We all do. <laughs> we all do. Um, okay, well, that's it. So, so, so Dahl and Meyer were my heroes. So there was something in your head of like, you like this intimacy I, with the back and forth. I do, and I like people being funny. I like right. listening to adults being funny. Um, you know, at the time when I was, Steve Dahl was, uh, 70, uh, 78, maybe 79. Like, uh, you know, I was in sixth or seventh grade. I uh -huh. was fairly young. And, uh, were there any other like nerds of comedy of this team, like in junior high or high school? Boy, oh boy, there really wasn't, you know, my, uh, my stepbrother, uh, yeah. Scott was, and, right. and then my cousin Dan was, so we would talk about it at family functions. Okay. But at school, not really. I like, I like, there was no one you were bonding with on this. Not really. That's a great question. No, I mean, I did, I did have friends that liked comedy. We would let, but I can't even tell you what we talked about. Like, I, I don't know if, Right. If Did I you have comedy albums at that time? Did you have? Oh, like, I, uh, you know, of course, Steve Clark. Martin's "Let's Get uh, Let's Get Small." Yeah. I know I was also a sucker for the novelty song at that because I was a kid. Yeah, you know, there was one about Fonzie that uh, well. I swore I would never buy. One day I bought it. And my mom came in and goes, "I thought you'd never buy that." I go, "Oh, it's great, mom." <laughs> and if you hear it now, you'd go, "Why was this allowed?" <laughs> Uh, 
morning radio. Steve Dolan, Gary yeah. Meyer were morning, yeah. So, and were you like listening before school on the way to school? I would like? listen. Oh my God, I would get up at uh, earlier than I needed to to listen to, to Steve and Gary. Yeah, uh, they did a big thing with Skylab. Uh, remember when Skylab yeah, was going to fall to the earth? Yeah, yeah. And Steve did a parody called uh, 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 based on Shattered by the Rolling Stones called Skylab. And uh, they joked that they, they uh, Gary lived in a Winnebago. They joked, yeah, 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 yeah. and that they buried the Winnebago to be, and they're broadcasting from a buried Winnebago to it. be safe. <laughs> and we hope all you guys are being safe out there. Well, I theater of the mind <laughs> literally bought into it. Like, right, well, right. of course they are. That's what they're doing. I'm, I'm a kid, and so I sat on my porch with a portable radio with a. Uh, one of those plastic baseball helmets uh, that I put a, uh, I drew a Skylab logo and put it on my helmet <laughs> and sat out there with a plastic helmet listening what? to Steve and Gary. What, what was the purpose of the logo? Uh, just so that I was uh, on team uh, Steve so if, it, if it Oh, so it wasn't like if it recognized you falling down and like swerve and try to... I don't, think, I don't think I was thinking about smart bombs at that time, Andrew. I, I just thought I was a, 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 just a, a dumb kid. So you would say they were your influence comedically? As oh, far they as were certainly microphone, no audience, talking back and forth. I think so. Yeah, and then you know my mother and and stepdad would allow me to stay up and watch uh, on Friday night certainly, uh, which may or may not have been a rerun. I don't remember. I was a kid. Uh, Carson's monologue. Uh-huh. I, I could always watch that. All right. So now we're gonna get into yeah. it. Here we go. It's 2005-ish. You're a stand-up comedian. Yeah. You've been on Comedy Central already, I assume, sure. at that point. Yeah, 2000, uh, yeah, I, I've been on The Tonight Show. I've been on uh, Comedy Central. I've been on Craig Kilborn. Right, 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 right. So I, I, you're I, kicking around. You're kicking yeah. around. At you're... that time, I had done everything but Letterman. You seem to be in a good mood. Am I wrong? Am I jumping the gun? How are you? All right, seven of you good. The rest get pissed off. Good, nice to have you, folks. <laughs> that said, it is great to be here, and uh, I'm going to be saying that quite a bit tonight, just to convince myself. I, um, I am not going to kid you. Look at this place. This is a gig for me. Anyhow, I, um, <laughs> you heard it right. Yuck it up, you bastards. Let's go. I'm not going to play this stop-start BS with you people. Pick up the pace. What the hell is it going to take to rock this toilet? Come on. So then you heard about Gervais, you heard about, you heard this Abbott Costello. What, do you remember the epiphany moment where you're like, let's get into this? Well, I didn't have it. It oh. was Matt Belknap, who is my co-host to this day on Never yeah. Not Funny. Yeah. He was a huge fan of mine, and I don't think I'm speaking out of school on this. He would come to all of my shows at the UCB Theater. Right. And I was doing a live talk show. Yes, I remember that. Called yeah. Running Your Trap with Jimmy Pardo. Yes. And it was a it was a non televised talk show. Like people always Todd Glass and I always joked about this because he would do one as well, and people always go, "Oh, you do a fake talk show? No, no, no. it's a real talk show. <laughs> it's just not televised." So, but people go, "Oh, why, why would you do that? Why are you doing a fake? It's not fake. We're doing <laughs> it. Talk we're show. talking, and people are seeing show watching. It's a show. Why are you?" Um, so I would do that, and people would be like, "I would go, hey, you want to be a guest? I'm on a fake. On a like, it's not uh, anyhow." So I would do that and started at the M bars, part of comedy at the time called Comedy Death Ray, yeah. which has since morphed into Comedy Bang Bang. Uh, I said to Scott Ackerman and BJ Porter, who, was, yeah. who were running M bar at the time. And you had done many Comedy Death Rays. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was you on their very host? first show. You were on the very first. I was on the very first Comedy Death Ray show. And that was at M bar. 
At the Yum Bar. And how was it pitched to you? Hey, Again, this is the history of comedy. You know I what the way like, that it, wait, I feel like yeah, that yeah. is an important. Here's what you know what I, I and I hope I'm not speaking out of school and I yeah. hope I'm getting this correct. Okay, okay. I think they wanted. I think Scott and BJ and some others did not feel welcome in at Largo, which was the hip, cool alt scene that was right, happening here right. in LA. Um, I was part of that. I was part of Largo, and right. and and I was Todd Glass. I brought him up earlier. Todd Glass is another one. Who, uh, he and I. There may have been a few others. I can't admit you yourself. Yeah, I mean, where we could do both. We could do a Largo set and kill, and then go to the improv and kill. Right. Scott and BJ said, "Hey, we're going to start up our own show." I think it was on Tuesday nights, uh, where some of the folks that don't get on at Largo, we don't. We, we're not yeah. trying to start a fight. Yeah, yeah. But we would like you to be part of our scene as well. Love it. And uh, they said, "In fact, we want you to be on the very first one." And then, it, then Odenkirk ended up doing one of them. Right. And. Ben boom, M bar was was a thing. Comedy death ray was a thing, and, and then do you think Matt started watching it then? Oh, there's no doubt. Matt Belknap was the guy. He had a, a specialthing.com, a, yes. uh, a nerd comedy website, and Matt was. Were going, you aware of that website? I was because Matt would do reviews before he met you. And I'm talking about before you even didn't met. Even, him. Didn't even know who this guy was. Okay, and he would do reviews of shows around town. So Matt would. I didn't know his name was Matt. I didn't know who this guy was. I just know because he, he was a secret identity. Yes, I, the way I remember it. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. And he would he would uh, just sit there, and then the next day, here's a and then I and I would read it and go, this mother effer better like <laughs> me. He better right. You know, and I I would get scared. Like I would get a knot in my stomach because I would go, well, I had a good set, but boy, that one joke didn't work. And sure enough, he'd go. Yeah. Uh, well, Pardo, as always, destroyed. Well, one thing didn't land. <laughs> Can we like? Why do we have to put a spotlight on the one joke that didn't work? Let's focus on how it all went great and let us fail. Like these are rooms for us to be to, to safely fail. Let's try, right, Andrew? So I then said to Scott and BJ because the M Bar was taking off. You know that show, yeah. the comedy death ratio show, was taking off. Was it on? A, was it Tuesday night? Still or? Tuesdays. Yeah. 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 Okay. I said. Uh, Hey, here's what I would love to do. I, you know, I want to do a talk show. You know, I want to do, and they were like, yeah, but we're a stand-up show. I said, well, how about this? How about if they do a set of standing-up comedy? Then when they're done, I call them over to the couch, and then I interview them for a little bit. That way, you know, you book one or two less comics, right. and we'll do it that way. And they were like, let's do it. Let's, you know, that's what this room's for. Let's try things. And uh, the very first one, Todd Glass was supposed to be my co-host. Uh, he <laughs> got sick, could not. Yeah. Uh, so I had Doug Benson. Uh, do it, and uh, that was a lot of alpha, and that was where Doug outed Matt Belknap oh. as being that guy doing the reviews. He knew who he was. And he goes, well, that's him right there, and I go, I go, that son of a bitch is here? And then afterwards, Matt came up and introduced himself and said, you know, I'm a huge fan, I think you're great, and you know, so on and so forth, and I was like, y you're ruining comedy. <laughs> you're, you can't be reviewing guys it's experimenting. Working. What are you? And he's like, I'm doing it from a passionate place. I'm doing it because there's this scene is so cool right. that people in Iowa who would relate to this, they don't get to see it. So I'm sharing it. it. Yeah. Right. So that happened. You know, comedy bang bang or comedy death ray at the time moved over to the UCB, and they said to me, Hey, you know, we, got, you know, we have Matt and Matt said we have hours of content uh, uh, time to fill here. Yeah. You know, do you want to do anything? Well, why don't I? Why don't I do my talk show that I was doing? So you had never done anything at UCB until you did your talk no. show. No, I, I brought over the uh, I brought over the the, the the talk show. The, you know, and 
Scott Ackerman and I thought it would be very funny if we did Jimmy Pardo Week at the UCB. So one night was a game show, one night was a talk show, uh, one right. night was me on Comedy Bang Bang, one yeah. night was me on uh, doing Ass Cat. So it was Jimmy Pardo Week, and, and the UCB played along with it, like it's a big deal. Like, yeah, and, yeah. And every show was sold out because people bought into it. Like, hey, it's me part of week. Love it. And Love it. Matt Belknap turned to B.J. Porter. And I remember this. That B.J. told me this, that they were in the audience, and it was for the talk show. And Matt turned to B.J. Porter and said, ah, the crown jewel in the Pardo, you know, uh, yeah, estate yeah. or whatever he said. <laughs> and, um, and then Matt started a podcast. Matt Belknap started a dry, uh, I'm going to talk to comedians about the craft of stand-up comedy podcast. And so he came to my house, and uh, I, again, I didn't know what, I, I was like, well, I listened to that Ricky Gervais one, okay. but, you know. So this is the first time you've been on a podcast, would be the one he came Absolutely, to yeah. He came yeah. to my house with a guy named Joe Wilson, and they set up their equipment yeah, at the dining room Joe. table. Okay, yeah. And uh, we talked about the craft of stand-up comedy in a very dry and I don't mean that negatively. I mean, in, in a... Just talking about it seriously. Yeah. It wasn't a comedy right. podcast. How long it was that? a podcast about comedy. Right. How long do you think that was? 45 minutes to an hour. So it was just like at a dining room table with microphones. It was at my dining room table Not with microphones. Like this right now. You know, whereas now, I mean, that's amateur. That's, yeah. No one would do, <laughs> Nobody it. Like, would do it that way. No one would even think it. Right? Now it's all studios <laughs> and such. <laughs> um, limiters. and things. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly going to use limiters. <laughs> they, uh, so we chatted around the table, you know, and uh, maybe at the exact same time Jimmy Pardo week was happening, right around uh, within right. a week or so of each other. He then said, hey, why don't we turn that into a podcast? I think I'd have more fun producing your podcast than hosting my own. And this happened at UCB? It had, no, he, he contacted me. Okay, okay. And, uh, you know, I've told this story in the past where I kind of truncate all that to where yeah, he, yeah, yeah. It, when we were done doing it at my house, he said, I'm quitting this and doing yeah, yours. Yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah. not how it happened. Okay. And then we had, I'll say it, way too many meetings about it. <laughs> we had, we would meet uh, at Sunset and, 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 and uh, Crescent Heights uh, at a coffee shop there. Neither of us drink coffee. And we would meet there and we would just literally over talk what we were going to do. And, and I remember thinking, I just want to do a short 30 minutes. And, and it, made, it, it made sense to me because people, people are like, well, you got to have some content on the internet. You have All to right. do something on the internet. I'm not a very good writer. Whenever I would try to write something funny or write a blog, you know, it comes off as like a teenager writing in a journal. Like yeah. It just is really amateur and awful. But I'm funny in speaking. Yeah. And spontaneous. <laughs> and spontaneous. And spontaneous. And you're and, good bouncing. You're good bouncing. I'm a good bouncer. You're a good bouncer. No question. So I said, you know, let's do it. I said, but I, I, let's do it every other week, 30 minutes. That's it. Nobody wants to hear more of that. And we did the first one, and people loved it. Jimmy, the other day, let it fly and let loose that he does not eat dark meat. I don't like anything. dark meat chicken. And why is that? Uh, it's too juicy. It nauseates me. You don't like moist food, you say? I do not care for moist food. Now, food is supposed to be moist because yeah. you don't like the George Foreman grill because it seals oh, in the juices. Oh, my God. And you know what? First of all, the, just the idea of that grease dripping down into the into the, the grease, grease catcher. catcher. Yes, you know, it, it, I know it's there for that reason. I it catches the grease. Oh, you don't want grease all over up. your kitchen. Shut up! <laughs> Even you talking about it will make me vomit. Really? The, you know what the gross? One of the grossest things ever was we're playing cards. Scott Ackerman and I, myself, we play in a very high end <laughs> card game. I don't tell this. What? I have to. <laughs> okay, good. Um, 
we ordered pizza, <laughs> and the pizza comes, and it's the greasiest, it grossest pizza ever. And somebody is using the grease as a <laughs> dipping sauce. <laughs> They're actually dipping the pizza. <laughs> now you actually are choking. Oh my goodness! Really? <laughs> it's this really is, happening. This is real. Yeah. yeah. It's really he's, happening. He's, he's making tall. himself gay. Yeah, he, uh... I, I was also a regular on the Bob and Tom. Yes. Radio okay. show. Okay. They're from the Midwest. They're from the Midwest. And they were syndicated at that time. That's maybe. a big comedy team. Are they a comedy team? I've never done the show. I've only heard of them. Well, they're, they're you know the same thing as Kevin and Bean, or you know you know uh, uh, Stephen Gary. They right, were right. Just two. DJs Great. that were brought together. But they're kind, they, they love supporting comedians. They were, and I've said it before and I'll say it again, they were as important as Johnny Carson was years later. They were, if Bob and Tom anointed you one of their favorites, right. you, you're guaranteed selling out shows. You had a career. You had a career. Why? Because their show was syndicated? It was syndicated. They were in over 100 markets. And was they, it an afternoon show? Morning. Morning show. Morning show. Okay. Um, and, you know, Do you think they liked you? Not... Taking anything because you were like a sh local Chicago guy, and they're, they're from the Midwest. You know, the very first time I went on there, uh, I just clicked with them. You did? And, and they were like, hey, we want this guy. And I wasn't even a headliner at the club. The headliner couldn't do that. He was sick or something. He couldn't do it. So they sent me, the club sent me. And they're like, this guy's great. We've got to have him back every time he's here. And uh, Which was, at the time, I'm told, unprecedented if they wanted a non-headliner on the show. Yeah. And... Um, <laughs> Uh, Love it. But it paid off. They, they they were very nice to me. They brought me to the Bahamas, I think, three out of four years in a row. Uh, that was their big show. That produced. was their big show. Yeah, their big, you know, we're going to go to the Bahamas for the Super Bowl. And yeah, it wasn't yeah. just like a family vacation. No, they invited but, you along. Huh? That'd be weird if they just invited me along. But, but by the way, I, would, I still would have gone. Here's my uh, wife and kid. Water is very comfortable. <laughs> um, so I had an audience from Bob and Tom, and we had this audience from AST. So when we did the, the first, uh, especially thank you, Andrew, when we did that first podcast, both worlds kind of heard of us, uh, and so we were able to promote. Did you promote on Bob? Yeah, and at the time they did not like it. They did not like love it promoting a basically a radio show. Yeah, and they were like oh. an anytime radio show is basically an anytime radio show. Hey, yeah. you can listen to this <laughs> instead of us, sort of thing. Yeah. They have eventually come around and embraced it, and they and again. Just like they were with stand-up, they are—they're more supportive than anybody with podcasting. They will, right. you know, hey, you, you know, we're here, but you know what? Listen to Jimmy Pardo when we're not. They are great. They're a great guys. They, yeah. They've since bro, uh, Bob is retired, oh. uh, but they still have the Bob and Tom name uh, for like <laughs> <What>? legacy. <laughs> legacy. Okay. So this for your first was it called Never Not Funny? Your first podcast. It was, and here, so here, so we sat down at my dining room table, and our guest was Mike Schmidt, yeah, uh, who now has his own podcast called The Forty Year Old Boy. Mike uh, was my first guest, so I said, "Let's do this. I'll do a kind of a monologue at the top of the show." You know, Matt wasn't supposed to talk at all; he was just supposed to produce it. Was Belknap still doing his own podcast at this time? Boy, that's a good question. I don't know. All right. I don't know. I don't talk to him anymore. Note. <laughs> Note. Let's talk. Except for almost every single day. This was, was a uh, no, This was a mistake. We should have got yeah. Belknap. Oh, there's no question. <laughs> there's no doubt in my mind. You should have got Belknap. <laughs> I wanted it to be a rant, not a rant. Just a yeah, yeah, yeah. A welcome. Then, like the last couple of minutes, I would uh, have a up. guest on, and we would we we bounce and, and riff and have some fun, and then hey, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. That was going to be thirty well, minutes. Well, I. Because I uh, I like riffing more than anything. 
seconds abandoned it and immediately went into me, Matt, and Mike riffing with each other. Love it. And it was my own insecurities that made that happen because it was like, why did I? I, can't, I don't just talk. Right. I need to hear what you have to say, and we need to bounce around and have fun. And people loved it. People loved it. And the go- the chemistry between the three. The chemistry of the three of us. Right. And. Uh, the, the, the other idea was to be, I'd have a different comedian friend on every week. So week two was supposed to be Pat Francis, who now yes. has a podcast called rock solid. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he was supposed to be on the second week called in sick a couple hours before I panicked and said, well, let's just get Mike back. And I called, I said, Mike, can you come over? Pat is sick. Can you come? Said, of course, dude, I'll be there. So he came and it was the three of us again. And people went, Holy, this was, this was even better than last week. We love it. And, and you knew people loved it. How? Well, they were talking about it on AST. Mainly that. Uh, Bob and Tom thing. message boards, that sort of thing. Oh, so Bob yeah. and Tom also had a message board. Yes. I mean, okay, interesting. And then also what we found out uh, was that iTunes, uh, a guy named Scott Simpson, who's a stand-up now, but yeah. at the time he worked at iTunes, he took a liking to us and he promoted us right away because we sounded like a professional radio show. And that was very important to me. I wanted it. This is the Belknap effect. Yes. I wanted a mix. I wanted a board. I wanted microphones. Because at the time, a lot of podcasts were just dudes talking into that microphone on their laptop. on their laptop or desktop. And this sounded like a radio show. We had a theme song. Here's Who wrote your host. That? Who wrote that? Uh, a guy named Daver. Uh, and at the time, it was uh, written uh, specifically for me. Uh, it sounded very Seinfeld-esque. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we now still have a, we have a different Daver song called Mad at the World is our theme song now, but it's still him. Been my friend for 40 years, this guy. 30 years. 35 years. Who cares? Please don't take this person out. Would you politely go to hell? Get the fuck out of my way. Cause it's been one of those days. Yeah, it's been one of those weeks. People liked it. So... It was our show. Never not funny. Oh, so then to, to ask you, why did I call it that? When we were done with that very first one, we walked from my dining room, which is where it was at the dining room table. Right. Matt said, well, now we upload it. And we went to my, I, I had a laptop. I didn't have a desktop at the time. And so then we walked over and he did whatever he had to do to upload it and said, well, what do we call the show? And I said, you know what? I always say that's never not funny. That, right. You know what? That thing, never not funny. Let's do that. You know that guy, never not funny. Let's call it never not funny. And he's like, okay. Type Wait, so in. in all of those meetings, at all the oh, coffee meetings, yes, yes, yes. Never <laughs> once. <laughs> well, because, I think we were going to call it running your trap initially. And yeah. then it was like, well, that, that's, that's the live thing. Yeah, yeah. It's running your trap. This is going to be something different. And we also called it a podcast. It was the uh, never not funny, the Jimmy Pardo podcast. Um, I don't get it. Oh, Andrew, my <laughs> name is Pardo, yeah. and cast is part of podcast, and part kind of sounds a little like pod, so we meld the two. Did you know how, like, how soon did you know that this was, like, to use, for lack of a better phrase, a game-changing moment? It took a little while for that to, to you know, because I would go on the road, and I would you know, put postcards out to try to get new people to listen to it and and there would be some people like would come and go I'm, I'm here because of the podcast and i was like well, what the hell are you like i thought it was weird that yeah. these people were all of a sudden coming for this because of this podcast and 
because I knew what our audience was. It wasn't huge at the time. I, I don't know what our audience is today. I don't. I don't yeah, yeah. pay attention to that because I don't. I don't. I kind of don't want to know. I don't. Right. I, I you just, don't want the pressure of that. Yeah, or I don't want to be disappointed. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah, yeah. I. Uh, I just want to do my show, and if people like it, great. And if they don't, they don't. Um, and if they don't, I question everything about my life for the next six <laughs> weeks. Um, but uh, you know, I would try to get. Uh, so when did I know it was a game changer? About you know, we we. We did the first one, uh, the first year, and then Mike was ready to go on and do his own show, Mike Schmidt, and and so we, you know, uh, uh, split. Mike went his own way. Uh, season two, we, that was fifty nine episodes with Mike, and then season two. So uh, the whole first year was only with Mike. With Mike, and then every fourth episode we'd have a guest on. Oh, okay. Every fourth. Wow. So, um, and that was, you know, again, Paul F. Tompkins, Scott Arkerman, Paul yeah. Martin, Pat Francis. Right, the normal. Um, yeah. Did you feel at any point, like, I'm a pioneer or anything? No, I thought I was a loser, which is what I was about to get to. Yeah. So, we we were building an audience, but it still felt like we were doing cable access. It kind yeah. of still felt like, you know, even now, we, we even though we had, since we, we did move to a, uh, a studio space in Sherman Oaks, as opposed to my dining room table, the first 50, I think we're done at my dining room table. Right. Maybe 50, first 55. And then we moved to this studio space in Sherman Oaks. But it still felt like, you know, wh- why, why are we doing this? You know, we're not making money. Yeah. You know, it, it, it seems desperate. It seems kind of pathetic. Like, nothing's... I love it. This podcast thing's not happening. This podcast thing isn't... It's not taking off. You know, like we thought it might. Yeah. Uh, so t- was it a game changer at this time? No, it was like why, wh- wh- why are we putting all this effort in? Like Matt and I, we literally talk every single day about, you know, hey, we got another listener, you know, like or you know, hey, what right. can we do? How, you know, uh, well, like all I could do is go on Bob and Tom and mention it until they tell me to stop talking about it, and, um, you know, it was it was new and it, but it's still it, it again it, it felt pathetic, and wow. so I, I said to Matt. At, as we were approaching, I, I think we did 40 in the first, uh, in the second season, or 60 in the second, who knows, 40. He, I said, I, I, we got to stop doing this. This is, I, I feel like a loser. I feel like, I'm a professional comedian. I make my living doing stand-up comedy. I do this for free. I, I, I don't, it, it feels like I'm doing cable access. I feel like the loser who thinks he's doing, a, you know, Rupert Pupkin, who thinks he's right, doing right, a, right. a, you know, who's in show business because I have a, a, a microphone in front of me. And I said, what if we went to a pay model? You know, what if we, what if we charge money? And Matt's like, well, that makes sense. You're professional. You deserve to be paid. He's like, yeah, but that's going to, that's going to piss people off. Yeah, maybe, but let's try it. And we had a number in mind, which I won't reveal, but if X amount of people stayed with us. Yeah. We'll consider it a success. And if they don't, you know what? We'll see that through because some people did pay. We'll see it through. We'll wash our hands of this and we'll go, you know what? We tried something new. You know, we tried to do this podcast thing. It didn't work. It doesn't seem to be catching on anyway. So we announced that we're going to go to a pay model. F you. Everybody's, you know, you're dumb. Well, you know, uh, well, I hope you enjoyed it while it lasted. You're done. You know, see you later, pal. The internet's free. It's free content. How dare you want to be paid for your, you know, for, for your effort and being a professional, you know, and, and literally like it was, how hard was that for you? To oh, take? for you, was, Mr. Sensitive. It was the worst. It was like, I felt like I was getting punched in the face every time I'd open up an email. It was some guy telling me that I'm an idiot and that I'm stupid. And how dare I take this away from him? That's really what, at the end of the day, that's what it was. How, how dare you? I enjoy you. 
Why, why, are, you, why are you taking this away from me? So it, it would be for every, I would say, seven negative emails to three positive ones. Or on AST, people going, well, 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 this is over. I guess we got to find something new. I'm not paying money. Well, luckily, enough people did. And we said, hey, this, this is actually happening. Now, it wasn't right. life-changing money, but it was, it was this is money. This is neat. Recoup some of your losses. Recoup. I mean, you were going to studio space. You were, you were spending money to make We're, we're spending the money. And they, you know, they tell you that, Andrew, in any class, you got to spend to make. <laughs> um, enough people did it. And then we're behind a paywall. And the idea was, let's give 20 minutes away for free. And almost like a pusher. Let's give yep. let's give a little bit for free. If they then stop the show to hear the rest of They're Not Funny, subscribe to the blah, blah, blah. And uh, we built a nice audience. We had a nice fan base. It grew a little bit. And then it plateaued. And then we're behind a paywall, and then the podcast comedy boom happens. And we went, at the time that we started, we were always competing with Ricky Gervais and The Onion for the top spot on Apple's... Of The Onion was the other one. The Onion, those Do were the three. Do you remember any other... That... Well, again, Dawn and Drew. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember Keith and the Girl, really. I, I, I do a little bit, um, but I don't know if they were ever in the top five. We, okay. we were, again... Because you had a guy at iTunes, we had also a guy at iTunes who who was featuring us. We also, again, uh, because we sounded good, the tech nerds fell in love with us. Like, hey, who are these guys that sound great? And he's funny. Right. And this is—it's it, not dry. They're being silly. Um, so we would compete at the top spot, and then we went behind a paywall, and then that. That was over. And then the comedy co podcast boom happened, and here comes Marin, and comedy bang bangs take it off. Joe Rogan starts a podcast, and it's all here's this boom that's happening, and that, as you say, yeah. pioneer that I'm, I, as I like to joke, that we're the beta tape. We were the beta tape. We started this thing, and now yeah. VHS is running with it. Yeah. And, um, we, uh, you know, we kind of got left out of the conversation for a while. Of did, did that hurt? Did, oh you... yeah, it was. It was. It, yeah, it was frustrating. It, it was like. Did you ever, at any point, at that point, go to Belknap and go, "Let's take down the wall and let's just be part of this"? Well, we. Well, at that point, then it became our living. Like we oh, ended okay. up, we ended up then getting enough subscribers and stuff where we, you know, I bought a house, and and Matt got a house, and so we needed this income. Got so it, it was like, well, if we just take it away and hope that people still... I, so that was never an option. It wasn't. So and, it was still 20 minutes of free, and then... Yeah, and I forget, I, honestly, I forget how many years we did that. But it was a game changer, Andrew, in that when, when we went to the pay model, it was a game changer in that I'm now getting paid to do this show. Right. And and I'm doing something that I'm proud to be doing. This is... Now, now I'm proud. I was proud to... Content-wise, of the first two years, but once we went to the paid thing... You no longer felt like a loser. I no longer felt like a loser. Yeah. I never, yeah. yeah. yeah well, like, I remember I heard Matt once say like it, how important a moment it was to be able to like make your living doing podcasting. Yes. And like that was a really powerful moment for him. It was, it, and we even talked with Jesse Thorne about it because Jesse had a podcast as well, but his was, you know, that a uh, dry, and, and again, I don't say dry negatively. Yeah, It, it was a, an interview show. Right. Um, and so one time we were like, Jesse and Matt and I were all together and we're like, can you believe we make our living doing this now? Yeah. When people kind of made fun of us two years ago, and 
and, and, and you know, we, we, we built this audience. We said, we eventually did say, we, we have to roll the dice. We have to go back to a free format. Earwolf, some other networks came to us. And we also were, because we were the first, we were like this lone wolf. And we didn't want to be part of a network. We didn't, you know, it's like... Why, you why? didn't. No, it, it was like, why, why do you need a podcast network? That doesn't make any sense. You already had an audience. We you had an audience, had you know, and, and my ego, admittedly, my ego would get in the way, and I would go, I'm, but I, I, we're never not funny. We started this damn thing, and, you know, I don't need to be part of that network. In retrospect, you know, maybe we should have joined a network sooner, you know, and... Um, but I felt like we were our own thing. Why do I need to partner up with anybody? Um, and they would come to us, various different networks came to us, and, but I had always had a relationship with Scott Aukerman, and he finally came to me again and said, hey, you know, you guys really should be on Airwolf. And Matt and I had a conversation of, yeah, it's time. It's time to, let's roll the dice. And let's... How long after did you make that jump? Boy, it had to be... Eight years? No. It was like maybe six years? Six years. I mean, we're doing it 12 now. Yeah. So maybe it was eight years. It was a long time. Yeah. It was a long time. And how hard a decision was that? It was rough because it was like, what if, what if this doesn't work? What if... So what we decided to do was, let's do one free episode a week for, uh, for Earwolf, and let's do what we now call the Players Club, which is a second episode every week that also gives you video for both episodes. And... Everybody stayed. Everybody that was paying stayed. And so that was a relief. That was a relief. Like, oh, this worked. <laughs> this worked. So now we're doing the free one. Yeah. So we're building an audience. We're, you know, we're now we're part of the conversation again. Right. Uh, you know, we're not, you know, if we're in the top 100, I think that's, I, I, I may be exaggerating. We're not there, you know, which is bizarre considering we were once number one. Um, but you know Rogan and 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 Corolla and all these guys, yeah, are, yeah. you know they're they're now stops on the, you know on the uh, press junkets. You know they you know when they book Conan and Fallon and Colbert, they also book Marin, yeah. and and Corolla and, and Rogan and and they're no they're, question they're no getting question. that. It's a different it's a different animal than what I'm doing. Um, but luckily they stay people stay with us, and so now we give you we give you two a week and uh, love doing it. So you still love it. Oh, I love it. I wish I wish that uh, I wish that our subscriber base was just a tinge more yeah. and we could do it every day. That's what I would love to do. That much. I would really? love to. I would love to come in like those guys you used to listen to yes. when you were a kid. I wish I could be morning radio. I really do. Uh, so if any uh uh program directors are listening, uh <laughs> I, I love doing it. Uh yes. Of course we're only using about Two minutes of this interview. You gotta use less than that. I don't I have to <laughs> shut up. Oh my god. Live on tape. It's the fastest hour in podcasting. This is never not funny. Now, here's your host, Jimmy Pardo. Hello, everybody. Indeed, yes. Welcome into the program, episode twenty-three twenty-three of the uh, the award-winning podcast, Never Not Funny, your favorite podcast. The History of Stand-Up is hosted, written, and produced by Wayne Fetterman and me, Andrew Steven. The show is also produced by Jeff Umbro and Chris Boniello of The Podglomerate. You can find more of their podcasts at thepodglomerate.com. Some of the music in the episode is by Breakmaster Cylinder. You can find more about this show, episodes, and extras at thehistoryofstandup.com, at 
Hist of Stand Up on Twitter, or on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Podglomerate. A Sonic Universe.